This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Worldwide anti-Semitism, the Jewish people's call to action. That came from the Jerusalem Post a couple of days ago. And indeed, we are right there, friends, in this world. As we have all given thanks for the many blessings of God, there are other things that for which many people are not giving thanks, such as anti-Semitism spreading throughout the world. But if you think it's just anti-Semitism, you've got another think coming, as they say. Because the reality is, this report also came just two days ago. It's not just Jews Look who's also in the deadly sights of Hamas. We're going to take a look at that, those deadly sights here today on Viewpoint, and discover why that is and why it's important for you and for me to understand the dimensions and the direction of this because it is setting the stage rapidly for the final events of biblical prophecy. It's true. It's setting the stage. And it's moving so rapidly that it's almost breathtaking, in a sense. People can't quite figure it out. In fact, the Biden administration doesn't want to figure it out because they've actually sold their souls to untruth. Untruth. But the the unfortunate thing is that the Western world as a whole has also largely sold its soul to untruth. For instance, the Russian Times just two days ago, contained this headline, BRICS asked to label Israel a terrorist state. Now, who are the BRICS, the B-R-I-C-S? You might as well get used to this phrase, this acronym, because it refers to Brazil and Russia, India, and uh, South Africa, and uh, what's the other one? Anyway, there are five nations that are the founding group of the BRICS nation. Oh, it's China. How can we forget that? The BRICS nations are the founding group here that is setting a, shall we say, an opposite stage, an oppositional stage among nations against the rising Western one world order that uh, Mr. Biden has promised. And now, come January, there are a number of nations that are set to join those BRIC nations, and one of those is Iran. So what does Iran have up its sleeve? Well, you might actually understand why this would be, because we find increasingly the uh, outrageous statements coming from Khamenei there, or the Russian, excuse me, the Iranian president, Uh, calling for the absolute extermination or annihilation of Israel. But they're also in for the actual annihilation of all Christians. In fact, they see America as representing the Christian foundation of opposition to them, and therefore America is called the Great Satan, and Israel is referred to as the Little Satan. The little Satan and the great Satan are the object of scorn, derision, and destruction for Iran and for all Muslim nations, and, quite frankly, uh, for many 
within the BRICS group now. So what happened? Well, the Iranian president requested that West Jerusalem's alleged war crimes be investigated and the blockade of Gaza be broken. The Iranian president, Rassi, called on the BRICS nations to designate the Israeli government and its military as terrorist organizations. So it's not Hamas, it's not Hezbollah to be designated as a terrorist organization. No, it's Israel. And by implication, America. That's the viewpoint of Iran. Iran, which officially becomes a member of the BRICS nations in January, had requested an emergency summit to discuss Israel's war last week. It's necessary that this, as he said, fake regime, the fake regime is Israel, he says, be recognized as a terrorist regime and its army be regarded as a terrorist organization. He went on to say, with regards to the constant crimes committed by and the racist nature of the fake Israeli regime, free nations of the world expect all governments, especially BRICS members, to immediately put the issue of the severance of political, economic, and military ties with the regime that is Israel high on the agenda. In other words, the leaders of Iran that are dedicated to the destruction both of Israel and America by their own open, notorious, and dangerous declarations are calling for Israel to be called a terrorist nation. The kettle calling the pot black. Again. But why is it we need to know this? What are the implications for this? This is information. But information alone doesn't help us. Information only gives us an opportunity to apply it for understanding and wisdom in response. So what might that understanding and wisdom in response be? That's the focus of our program here today. It's going to contain a vast amount of information, a vast amount of information, information in some respects that you're probably not going to hear anywhere else in news, whether on television or radio, anywhere else. So, we want to take a, a broader look at this, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And quite frankly, uh, I hope that you had a delightful uh, time of uh, giving of thanks with your family and friends. I'll tell you, we sure did. It was just glorious, just glorious. The joy that filled our household as 15 members of our extended family joined together, it was just, well, It should have been the subject of a hidden video, quite frankly. It was that wonderful. We give thanks to the Lord for that and the opportunity that yours truly had to, shall we say, give some teaching and direction to the family after we had our wonderful dinner together uh, to set the stage even more directly for uh, what it really means, why it's so important for us to be, have hearts of gratitude. That's what God's looking for because it reveals whether or not we truly trust him, doesn't it? So, again, we give thanks. We're continuing to give thanks. And one of the things that I mentioned during our family gathering together after 
uh, dinner was, yes, indeed, there is a sense in which we need to give thanks for the trials that we face, the testings and trials, because unless we have a trial, we don't know whether we're going to pass the test. If we don't have a test, we don't know whether we can pass the test or not. If we don't pass the test, what are we qualified for? So it's very important that we be grateful and thankful for the various tests and trials that come into our life because God uses those in various ways that we just don't quite understand when they're happening. He uses those to strengthen us, to encourage us, to build us up, to prepare us for what lies ahead. Please understand that. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. So if God uses testings and trials to prepare us, to strengthen us for things that we do not quite follow, uh, understand, are coming down our pathway uh, in the near or distant future, then how should we look at worldwide anti-Semitism and its cousin, worldwide persecution? How should we see that? Should we see it as something to be embraced? Should we see it as something to be feared? Should we see it as something to uh, be strengthened in and through for even further times of testing and trials ahead? We do know God makes it very plain in his word from the beginning of the book to the end of the book that, in fact, persecution against Jew and Gentile, against Jew, uh, Jewish people, anti-Semitism, and Christian believers, persecution is going to rise. It has always been there, always. But it's going to increase. It's going to be accentuated. And uh, when that happens, apparently, God thinks that you and I should be prepared. So he's allowing us to experience this in, in with increasing intensity as we prepare, hopefully, our minds and our hearts, our families, our congregations, and so on, for even increasing times of testing and trial, culminating in what is called the Great Tribulation, which will be Antichrist's outrageous massive persecution against true followers of Jesus Christ. Now, you can well understand then why it might be necessary for us to be prepared because we never experienced anything quite like, in fact, Jesus said that the the testing and trial and persecution would be so great that if he didn't intervene and shorten the time, There wouldn't even be any flesh to survive. 
That's how great it would be. He said there would never be, Jesus said there would never be, have been a time before or after there would be a greater uh, consequence than the great tribulation that will come upon the people. Now, let's suppose that you don't believe, somebody has told you that uh, you're not going to have to be concerned about any of that because uh, you're not appointed to, God's not appointed you to his wrath, which is true, and therefore, uh, you're not going to have to go through any suffering. You're not going to have to go through any persecution. You're not going to have to experience the outpouring of that kind of wrath by the counterfeit Christ figure because you're out of here, so to speak. Well, what happens if you're still here and those things are still taking place? What happens? What happens in your own mind? What happens in your own heart? What happens in the minds of your children and your grandchildren that you have told you don't have to be concerned about any of these things? You don't have to be prepared. So you're not doing anything to prepare them because you tell them, well, I don't want them to fear anything. I just want them to love Jesus. That's one one pastor told me because he says, we don't teach our, our people here in our church about uh, end times, we don't talk about that because he, he said to me, we don't want our people to be afraid. We want them just to love Jesus. Question, how much will they love Jesus when they find out that the pastor who told them to love Jesus didn't prepare them for the times that were coming and told them it wasn't going to happen? What's going to happen to their love for Jesus? They're going to feel betrayed. And I believe that it's that kind of betrayal that's going to lay at the foundation for the massive falling away or apostasy that the Apostle Paul talked about just before the final identity of Antichrist is revealed. He talked about it to the Thessalonian church. Do you remember that? If you don't remember it, you should go back and read First and Second Thessalonians, and you'll find out very quickly. Paul said, those times should not come upon you and be unawares. We had plenty of opportunity, if we had been reading the word, to understand what was coming. So don't let it take you unawares. And ignorance is not bliss. Not when the hell of Antichrist persecution comes upon us. So we need to be prepared. We need to help other people be prepared. We need to help our children, our grandchildren. And that's why yours truly, in the small spheres of which I have an influence, whether it's in my family, whether it's in this family of listenership, the family of our congregation, I have the opportunity to prepare people in love because God gave us these warnings because he loves us. He doesn't want us to take and be taken uh, unawares. He's a loving father, so he wants to prepare his children. He's not a father that has that has child abuse in his heart. He wants to prepare his children. He wants to prepare you. He wants to prepare me. And so, that's why we talk about these things, not just for information's sake, but for transformation's sake. It has to make a difference in the way we live. So we're not just conformed 
to the ways of the world, not conformed just to the standard news cycle, but become transformed by our proper understanding and application of the Word of God with the news of our time so that we can act and respond accordingly. From God's viewpoint. So, we know that the BRICS nations have uh, been asked now to label Israel as a terrorist state. We also know, because I shared the headline with you as we opened the program today from the Jerusalem Post, worldwide anti-Semitism is now the Jewish people's call to action. This writer has given a very uh, interesting approach to this, and I want to share it with you briefly. Hamas's October 7th massacre opened the floodgates of Jew hatred worldwide. We find ourselves in a global war against the ideology that Hamas stands for, yet despite the mounting threat, we seem uncertain and ill-equipped. She's talking about Jewish people seem uncertain and ill-equipped. It's just like Christians in our churches, friends. She says, while I understand the fear that has gripped my fellow Jews, I refuse to see us as victims, and neither should you. We must meet this moment and confront our enemies on the battlefields of law, academia, or academia, business, philanthropy, media, and every other front where Jews are under attack. There's no time to waste, she says. Teeming Jew hatred has exploded on university campuses where calls for violence against Israel and against Jews have become habitual. Students march through campus repeating the chants of terrorist leaders like globalize the Intivada, from the river to the sea, or we don't want no two states, we want 48. Some even riff off Hitler's final solution, screaming, there's only one solution. Well, these are the fruits, she says, of a decades-long effort to make college campuses a breeding ground for anti-Israel propaganda. Students have been taught that Zionism is fascist, imperialistic, uh, racist, and colonialistic, and that Zionists are Nazis. The strategy, she said, is very clear. By accusing Israel of these evils, it becomes acceptable, even virtuous, to persecute Israel's Uh, Israelis and Jews. And that is why a Cornell University professor said he was exhilarated by Hamas's terror attack, and a professor of Columbia University wrote that the Hamas savagery was a major achievement and a source of jubilation and awe. She said, we have been led to think that if we just march by the side of the pursuit of justice causes among the liberals, that they would come to our side. They won't. We think that if we just polish our talking points and refine our memes, we can convince them. They won't be convinced. There was no one coming to our rescue, she said. And essentially, she's right. She's right. Even the so-called Western nations that said this attack by Hamas on Israel was unconscionable, it was wicked, it wasn't right, uh, it was terrorist. Now they're turning the tables, turning the tables on Israel very quickly. So we're being told that the, the, the people, the so-called Palestinian people, People that lived in Palestine, 
that somehow they were overwhelmingly against Hamas and just want peace. They just want what Western Westerners think, what Americans think, that we want. So is that true? That's the question. Is that true? So we're going to find out whether it's true. How are we going to find out? Well, we're going to find out because there was a poll taken, a survey that was taken, not by Westerners, but by Arabs. Mm -hmm. So Carolyn Glick, very famous and respected journalist there in Israel, wrote a piece two days ago, three days ago, saying Palestinians overwhelmingly back Hamas terrorism, contrary to popular opinion in the West. She said, more than, for more than a generation, the Israeli left and Western leaders have insisted that the Palestinians want peace. They want a state of their own. They want Israel to leave the Gaza Strip, Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem. And once they get these things, they'll live at peace with Israel. Successive U.S. administrations have modulated their support for Israel based on their perception of the Israeli government's willingness to make territorial concessions to the Palestinians. Those that were perceived as unwilling to cough up land to the PA, Palestinian Authority, were ostracized, condemned, and subverted by America and by the West. The bulk of the Israeli left, the liberals in Israel, refused to accept the strategic implications of the absence of a Palestinian leadership or society, for that matter, that is willing to countenance Israel's right to exist, with or without Judea and Samaria, or without Jerusalem. So, led by the Biden administration, says uh, Carolyn Glick, Western governments have uniformly insisted that Hamas does not represent the Palestinians, that most Palestinians, including those in Gaza, simply want to make peace with Israel that includes a Palestinian state. Is that true? As President Joe Biden and his advisors have said repeatedly, Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. It does not stand for the dignity of Palestinians. So, on Thursday, a week ago, Berzak University near Ramallah, among the Palestinian territories, published a survey of Palestinian opinion that responded to this central western claim. Would you be interested to know what the survey said? That's the question for this moment in the broadcast today. Would you be interested to know what the survey conducted by an Arab university poll concluded what they discovered among the Palestinian people and those in Gaza. Well, I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to share it with you because we need to know. And you're not likely to hear it. Not likely to hear it on MSNBC, on CNN, on uh, any of the other 
news agency. You might hear it on Fox. Uh, you might hear it on Newsmax. Uh, but the chances are on most of the so-called legacy media, you won't hear it because it doesn't fit their narrative, their storyline. So here are the facts. As reported by an Arab university doing the poll among the so-called Palestinian people. It comes right after this break, my friends. I hope you'll listen very carefully. Might be a bit shocking, but it's true. It reveals that what Westerners think, including our putative president, is absolutely 100% wrong. And that's why we're in such deep trouble. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. When the Antichrist makes his appearance and becomes identified for what he is, he is going to be seen as the most terrifying tyrant the world has ever, ever seen. And the Apostle Paul makes it plain that professing Christians are going to be here when that happens. The reason he says that, or we know that he means that, because he says that just before his identity is revealed, that is, the Antichrist identity is revealed, there's going to be a massive falling away of professing Christians from the faith. They're not going to be prepared to stand. The pressure is going to be getting so great, by the way, the word pressure is translated from the Greek, flips us as tribulation. So, the pressure, the tribulation, the testing is becoming so great by that time that massive numbers of professing Christians are going to say, I can't take it, I'm out of here, I'm going to, not not out of here with the rapture, I'm out of here because I can't, I can't follow Jesus anymore. Uh, no, and besides which, we were told that we were going to—we're not going to have to endure any of this. And look what's happening. We are having to endure it. We've been lied to. How can we know that Jesus is coming anyway? So they're going to fall away, feeling totally betrayed. You understand that now. So, that having been said, and we know that this. Uh, terrifying counterfeit Christ figure is going to come 
And his object is to rid the world of Jews because they represent the root from which the Savior, Christ himself, came. And he's going to be addressing Christians because they are the Gentile grafted-in followers. And together they represent a team within the world that is dramatically opposed to his intent to rule the world. That is, Satan's intent to rule the world through the Antichrist. Therefore, they must be rid ridded from the world. By the way, that actually is the viewpoint of the United Nations. Believe it or not, in writing. So all of these things are actually set. Not necessarily set in stone, but they are set in the viewpoint and the written documents in our world. So that terrifying tyrant is coming. And uh, it, it spreads. Tyranny, by its very nature, has a perpetual propensity to metastasize and inevitably bringing even those who once basked under its teeming benefits under its terrifying burdens, just like happened in the French Revolution. So this counterfeit Christ figure is going to carry on his nefarious deeds. There's a chapter in my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, that's called Tyranny, Treachery, and Tribulation. Tyranny, Treachery, and Tribulation. And I put this particular chapter in the book precisely so that we would understand, because in the Western mind and heart, we have not been prepared or trained to understand what real tyranny, treachery, and tribulation is like. So, at the very beginning of the chapter, these words, the Antichrist, the imposter, will soon sweep the world into an unprecedented, tyrannical rule under Satan's authority. The sensitive Western mind is almost incapable of grasping the gravity of tyranny, the treachery that gives birth to it, and the trials and tribulations that tarnish all genuine human sensibility. Hundreds of years of emerging democratic republics have so sanitized the memory of most, at least in the Western world, as to render us desensitized to the realities of the horrors of history and their essential characteristics. Yet these tyrannical powers have brought untold millions either to their knees in worship or to their torture and tragically painful deaths. So, I give you an opportunity to, in that one chapter alone, look over the shoulder of history uh, at some of the most profound tyrants in the history of mankind and what they did, how they did it, and the initial motivations of their minds and their hearts. And there's no question about it. Unspeakable tyranny has troubled our world since the earliest days of history, beginning with Nimrod. In the the West, in America, we've been largely sheltered from this kind of thing. But the patterns of previous tyrants and their backgrounds, how they ruled, their manner, their philosophy of life and government, their view of mankind as well as the terror of the times, I think should be instructive at identifying the coming imposter. So, I want you to uh, 
to urge you to get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. We're not identifying him by name. That's a set of foolishness to try to do that. Many have tried. Hundreds have been uh, named as potential candidates for Antichrist. That's not helpful to us. We need to look at it from God's viewpoint, and that's what this book does. So it's a $22 book, yours for $20, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter. By the way, uh, a lot of the books on our website especially the ones that I've written, I think would make great gifts. Uh, you know, if you if you have some fathers or fathers-to-be, uh, the book Hearts of the Fathers, How to Leave a Legacy to Last that Would Last is a perfect, hardbound book. Uh, so go to the website, saveus.org, and uh, consider that. Make a difference. Make a difference. Okay. So we want to go back and look at the results of this poll from an Arab university, Brizite University, that interviewed West Bank and Gaza Palestinians. And here's what they discovered. That 68% strongly supported the acts of Gaza, uh, of Hamas. 16 supported them to some extent, meaning 84% strongly or somewhat approved. Now, Rizite University is a university of 14,000 students in the West Bank. 14,000 students. Think about it this way. There are an estimated 14 million Palestinians around the world many of them refugees in nearby countries. Jordan, just to the east of Israel, has an uncomfortable 3.2 million of the Palestinians in their camp. Syria has 568,000. Lebanon, 458,000. Qatar, 295,000. The United States, about 225,000. And everywhere they have been or gone... They have been an unwelcome and destabilizing political problem, whether it was in Jordan, in Lebanon, in Syria, in Israel. And when Israel captured Gaza in the 1967 war, ever since then it's been trying to give it back to Egypt since the late 1970s, but Egypt refuses to take it. Why? Well, Egypt has recently emphatically refused the pleas by Israel to take Gaza refugees even today. The Egyptian government realizes that the Palestinians would reinforce Muslim Brotherhood strength in Egypt and endanger any moderate Muslim government. In other words, the matter of the Palestinians is not what you and I have been told by liberal Western leaders. Just the opposite. Just the opposite. And unfortunately, the same thing is true of, shall we say, fundamentalist Muslim leadership in the world. 
fundamentalist Muslim leadership in the world. Now, I have in front of me a very significant history of the... Uh, it's from the, uh, the World Tribune, Raw History in Burzite University Poll Counter Simplistic Rhetoric, from Abraham to Hamas. From Abraham to Hamas. So let's go to uh, 1945, the year I was born, the year the United Nations was formed. Palestine was only 60% Muslim, over 31% Jewish, and 8% Christian. The large Jewish increase was probably aided by Russian and Ukrainian Jews that immigrated there, and more than one million Russian-speaking Jews have immigrated to Israel since 1991 collapse of the Soviet Union. So, Israel was flooded by many millions of Russians, Russian Jews, who had been raised in godlessness, communist godlessness. So when they came to Israel, they didn't have any kind of a a Jewish spiritual view. They didn't have a Christian view. They were basically radical secularists. That composes a a whole lot of Israel's uh, population today, even in in its government. By Israel's Declaration of Independence on May 14th, 1948, more than a third of the population of Palestine was Jewish. The United Nations had a plan to petition Palestine into Jewish, or uh, partition it should be, Palestine into Jewish and Palestinian Arab nation states. But in 1948, neither the Jews nor the Muslims wanted a two-state solution. Didn't want it. This isn't something that Uh, Israel itself has rejected. This is something that both Muslims and Jews have rejected. Interesting, isn't it? When we get back, there's so much more that I want to share with you. We'll have to uh, cut some of it short and get the show on the road. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Near the very beginning of Muhammad's career as a warlord there in Arabia, he drove two Jewish tribes out of Arabia and engaged a third in a battle for Medina that was horrific. The account of that battle is part of the Syrah. Uh, it was called the Battle of the Ditch, D-I-T-C-H, and you'll find out why. 
It was recorded by Islam's most respected historian. So this third party, the Banu Karayesh, were forced to surrender unconditionally, give up their arms, and since they had been a former ally, Muhammad decided to make an example of them for their treachery. So what did he do? He had the six to 700 men of the tribe brought to him in small groups, and he beheaded each one of them in a ditch. That's why it's called the Battle of the Ditch. Some historians have placed the total number as high as eight to 900. Then Muhammad divided their wives and children among his men as slaves. Some women were taken as wives, others were taken as concubines or sex slaves. Muhammad's youngest and favorite wife, Aisha, was not yet even 13 years of old of age, and she sat next to him observing the executions. And that set the precedent of jihadic conduct, which has been seen for nearly 1,400 years of history since then. Perhaps now we can understand better why the November 16th Brizite University Arab World uh, Survey had shocking revelations. They were asked their views of various military wings of the terrorist organizations. The Palestinian Islamic Jihad had 84% approval. Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade earned the support of 80%. Al-Qassam Brigades achieved the highest support with 89%, and Hamas got the overall support of 76%. This, my friends, was among the Palestinians there in the West Bank and in Gaza. The ominous bottom line of the survey is that Hamas and the jihadist tactics have strong support amongst Muslim Palestinians. And those attitudes come not just from circumstances, but strong acceptance of Islam's jihadic ideology and hatred for Jews, Christians, Americans, and the British. Can you understand, then, why the whole idea of entering into some sort of an agreement with them is nonsense. They are dedicated absolutely. In fact, one came out and said, first Jerusalem and then the world. First Jerusalem and then the world. It's not about a nice little covenant, sweet two-state solution. They intend to rule the world under Sharia law. So, this whole phrase, the river from the river to the sea, is a phrase that implies their goal. And that is from the Euphrates River all the way to the Mediterranean. That's the land that God promised to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses reaffirmed it in the book of Deuteronomy. Israel does not occupy even half of that territory right now. And the territory did not belong to them, it belonged to God. God called it his land. So he gave a eternal leasehold interest to Israel on his land. 
they have no right, no authority to give up God's land. So why would they do that? Thinking that they could get peace. But peace is nothing but elusive, friends. You cannot make peace with the devil. You just can't. You can't make peace with the devil. And unfortunately, Christians are trying to do that all over America and around the world. Pastors, in a sense, are trying to do the same thing. Compromising with the world to try to make peace with the world, to win the world. And unfortunately, the world has won Christians not to Christ, but to the culture. It's the same spirit. You cannot do it. There's a reason why God said through the prophet Balaam that Israel would never be reckoned among the nations. It was not God's intent for Israel to be recognized or reckoned or brought in to the sphere among the nations. They were to be a separate people unto him. You and I as professing Christians are called to come to the Lord separate called out ones, ecclesia, called out ones, as the Apostle Paul made clear, the Spirit of the Lord was, I want to be, God wants to be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Come ye apart, and be ye separate, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. You cannot play footsie with the world. Neither can Israel play footsie with Hamas or with Islam because their fundamental belief system is to destroy the very existence of Jewish people and Christians and to bring the rest of the world that is neither Jewish nor Christian either at the point to the point of death under the sword or to submit to Sharia law under penalty of massive taxes from which you could never recover or gain prosperity. In other words, you would be an eternal slave to Islam. That's the goal. That was Muhammad's goal. That's the goal of Sharia law. And that's the goal of fundamentalist Muslims worldwide. Now, that means there are a lot of other people out there who are what you might call cultural Muslims. They don't necessarily think like that. They don't necessarily embrace that. But what will happen when push comes to shove? I don't know. I don't know. I have Muslim friends. I I don't hold anything against them. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We're friends. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about a belief system that is led by, well, the son of Hamas founder warns and calls them savages. I'm not making that term up. Musab Hassan Youssef, the son of Hamas's co-founder, Sheikh Hassan Youssef, calls Hamas savages, terror savages. So, it's amazing that he would come out. But he converted to Christ. 
He defected from the terror group in the late 1990s and uh, embraced Christianity, has now blistered the United Nations in a half-hour presentation for failing to condemn the terrorism inflicted on Israel. He explained that Hamas' worst crime is the religious ideological indoctrination that it inflicts on children because it has one intention, the annihilation of the state of Israel. He said, this is Hamas's primary goal. He said, I speak as a first-hand witness on Hamas on their intentions. Don't be mistaken. Hamas is committing a crime against this generation and the next generation to come. And then he described the torture that he himself endured as a child under the control of Hamas. How he was whipped with an electrical cord. He said, this is how they wanted me to become a violent savage like them. He said, this isn't obvious to everybody. You've got to get on the inside. He said, if Israel fails in this war in Gaza, all of us will be next. We have to speak the truth, he said. Now, finally, well, not quite finally, two two items. First, from the Russian Times, an article that came out today, Israel's darkest hour could last years. Every Palestinian killed by the IDF will be used by Hamas as a martyr to rile up the Arab world. Not since the founding of Israel in 1948 had Tel Aviv suffered as audacious an assault on its soil as the one carried out by the Palestinian Islamist militant group Hamas October 7th. More shocking even than the Yom Kippur War of 1973. So, this is a a statement that's coming from the Russian Times and a, a writer there who's saying, This is not something on the short term. This is a long-term issue. Israel's darkest hour could last years. Now, in other words, the fact that Israel is under such intense pressure by the Muslim world and now by the so-called democratic world is a picture of Although the article from the Russian Times does not say this, I'm telling you, it is a picture of what God said was going to happen to Israel. Yes, he would bring them back from the north, the south, the east, and the west. He would fulfill his covenant, but because they have not fulfilled their covenant, they're going to suffer greatly, and that suffering is going to increase. Israel's dark hour has begun. Just as Israel's dark hour has begun, so has the church's dark hour begun. That brings us to the next article. Not just Jews, look who's also in the deadly sights of Hamas. According to 
Middle East expert Valid Faris. He said, if you're a Christian, a member of another religion, or even participate in your local Rotary Club or Lions Club, Hamas considers you an enemy also. Hamas, he said, is using Gaza as an umbrella to be legitimate. The reality is this is a jihadist movement, and it is manifesting itself in America and Canada and in Western Europe. We have never been at this level of danger for our democratic world. He said, you may be surprised that Hamas does not call for only killing Jews and eliminating Israel because its charter, which seeks the eradication of Israel, also, quote, seeks to expand Islam to become the controlling religion across the globe, uh, globe continuing, excuse me, targeting any non-believer which includes Main Street America. The wording dates to 1988, when it adopted the covenant of the Islamic resistance movement and decided to require that every Muslim's duty is jihad. He said, the Jews will not be pleased with thee, neither the Christians, until they follow the ways of Hamas. That's where this is going. So as it is Israel's darkening day, so it is the Christian's darkening day. That, my friends, is why I'm writing the book, When Persecution Comes. I hope you'll pray for me in this regard. It's a bit of a painful book to write, but I'm writing it out of love to prepare professing Christians for the times that are coming. I hope you'll be prepared to read it when it comes. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, uh, $22 book, yours for $20, on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at $5 for postage and handling. And uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, yes. But help us all to understand what God really is saying about our times. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.